Jesse Diggins and Keegan Randall thrust Nordic ski racing into the American spotlight in Pyeongchang at the Olympics in 2018. It has been celebrated as so many Olympic gold medals, especially first Olympic gold medals, have been. But when you're more of an insider and really consider what all went into getting those two to the finish line first, the picture is complex. Sports systems around the world are different from what we as Americans experience. Most Americans wouldn't realize that almost all national Olympic committees around the world are primarily government funded, while in the United States, it is privately, let's say, commercially funded, which makes Olympic sport a dog-eat-dog -dog competitive sport market for support. For example, those Olympic biathletes and losers from Germany who are winning medals, they probably get a government stipend and a job in the army, the border police, or some other such government entity that allows them a lot of time to train as part of their quote unquote job. They have some financial security. In America, school athletics teams are state funded through secondary schools, and one might argue a little bit through state universities as they pump money into NCAA athletics programs. But when we are talking about international sport like the Olympics, the United States government is pretty much not in the business of any of it. When you boil it down, a sport like cross-country skiing and its spin-offs of Nordic Combined and Biathlon have tried numerous models of how to develop their international competitiveness with limited funding. So when the United States puts a gold medal around necks in these sports, you have to know where the differences are being made against the rest of the world. For US Nordic skiing, a big one has been the National Nordic Foundation, or the NNF. The NNF does great things. The Drive for 25 this week can unlock thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars for young athletes. You can help deliver our next Olympic champions today. But don't just take my word for it. Take Jesse Diggins' word for it. Hey, this is Jesse Diggins, and I just want to share with you a little bit about my journey because I think it's easy for people to see the excitement of the Olympics and the World Cup overall and Crystal Globes, and it's easy to forget how many people were involved in getting me to each and every start line, every single race opportunity. I have had so so many hundreds of people helping me through my career. And I think that's what makes it special is that when we succeed as cross-country skiers from the U.S., we're doing it because we were supported by so many passionate fans, by coaches, by teammates, by wax techs, by supporters of U.S. skiing. It's a big challenge that we face as a country because we don't have government funding, unlike all our opponents on the World Cup. However, when we succeed, it's because of all the people in this country who are super fans of cross-country skiing and want to see this country take steps forward. So if you can, we would love to have a donation. Just 25 bucks makes a huge difference because when we get the entire country coming together, that's how we push U.S. skiing forward. This was really instrumental in helping me in the early stages of my career and who knows, you might be the person who tips the scale and helps the next uh, gold medalist from this country get to their first World Cup start and get that crucial experience. Go to nationalnordicfoundation.org to donate today. Stand up and be counted. When I was 19, I raised a bunch of money to try to make the 1992 U.S. Olympic biathlon team. When I didn't qualify, I went to Europe on my own. Actually, I went with co-teenager and friend Antala Skinner from Sun Valley, who also came up short that year for her first Olympic team. Unlike yours truly, she went on to make two Olympic teams, though. But what we did in 1992 was move to Bavaria, stay with a huge fan of U.S. biathlon in his hotel, schlep our gear around Central Europe each weekend to Europa Cups, the equivalent of today's IBU Cup, by train, or bummed ride, or both. We'd leave our home base of Ruppold in Germany with ski bags and rifle cases in tow, and take a train to catch a ride with the Bundeswehr team, the, the army guys out of Munich. It all sounds kind of fun, I know, but it's no way to go about winning international competitions. In fact, I realized even at that age, I needed more organized and supported version of what I was doing if I had a chance in hell of reaching the world level with any amount of dignity and confidence. But it didn't exist. Today, it does. For cross-country skiing, the NNF grew out of the realization, as our guest today will point out, that we can spend all the time we want training young skiers, 
but if they are not at home and comfortable racing in and against the countries where these sports thrive, you won't win Olympic gold. It's worth noting that after the Pyeongchang Olympics, the NNF was seeking board members. Because of my call on NBC of that gold medal, I reflected a little bit more about what I might be able to do to help deliver more of them, and moments like it, to the U.S. Nordic skiing community, and that board position was glaring to me. I signed up. The NNF has evolved from two guys who had a desire to make a difference and get more American kids some sound, competitive experience overseas. Their efforts have been a huge boost to the sport by helping to fund the very spot in a successful international sporting pipeline that is critical to top-level success. Before them, it didn't exist for skiers in America. Today's guests on Threshold are Rick Capala and Reed Luter, the founders of NNF. It is worth pointing out that Threshold has been a labor of love and exposing stuff we're interested in that we think others might be interested in as well. We have not sold any advertising to date, but that changes today because this episode of Threshold is sponsored by the NNF and me and Chris, our producer, of course. NNF is not paying us for this advertising. We are comping the advertising because we believe in the NNF, and we think you should too. Because NNF is very much behind you getting goosebumps and tearing up when you watch that Here Comes Diggins clip. With the NNF Drive for 25 starting November 22nd, we want you to help create the next Here Comes Diggins moment. Here to give us the background on this great organization, one that is unique, I think, to the sport internationally, are the founders of the NNF, Rick Apala and Reed Luter. Rick, Reed, welcome to Threshold. Glad Thank to be you. here. Thanks for having us. Okay, awesome. You know, I usually start with some kind of a background, a generic background question about like where you, where where my guests have started in sport. I'm just going to start with each of you, and I acknowledge up front we could do an entire episode on each of you, and we still might yet somewhere down the road. Of but but we're just scratching the topic of each of you on this one. So in the Cliff Notes version, just tell us uh, how Nordic skiing has been a part of your lives and and what you do professionally today. Let's. Let's start with Rick, because Rick is, has been coaching since I was a J2, so let's let's go with him first. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, so I just was, uh, I got into ski racing in college, and uh, for lack of a better career set of options, I started to dabble in coaching, uh, coached for a bit in the Pacific Northwest, then Alaska, and then finally landed in Sun Valley. And uh, that was all about 40 years ago. Uh, I would not have predicted this as my go-to career choice, but over time, I've realized I'm unemployable in any other um, <laughs> line of work. <laughs> and what do you do today, Rick? Just just let us, just, just lay that out there. Yeah, I'm the program director and head coach for the Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation cross-country team. I've been here since 87. Well, with both of you guys, I'm kind of running the risk of, of being redundant because I think a lot of our listeners might know who you are before we even start, but but you know I want to be I want to be fair to all the people who are new listeners as well. So with that, I'm going to go to Reed. Reed, tell us a little bit about same thing about you, like how you got into Nordic skiing, what 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 it's been, how it's played a part in your life, and what you do today. Sure, sure. So in let's see, in like uh, 1984, I watched the Sarajevo Olympics, and I was like, I want to do that sport, which is weird because there really wasn't even any coverage of skiing. So I went out front of my house and started skiing around. Uh, there's a little island in front of my house, of uh, uh, Rhode Island, not a Duluth, nice actual lake island. Uh, <laughs> so that was 1984. I really started skiing. Then I skied, you know, high school, college. After college, I, I had uh, uh, probably uh, ill-founded dreams of, of going on. So I went and started skiing under Rick at Sun Valley. Um, that's where we met in 1993-94. Uh, skied for a couple of years out there and then realized that, uh, that ski, uh, active ski career was not going to be my thing, <laughs> but <laughs> I really, having spent time with Rick really was, uh, enthralled by coaching. And so I came back to the twin cities in 95 and started, um, coaching here. I started coaching in Bloomington, started Minnesota Valley, um, ski, uh, ski team and did that for you know, about 10 years, uh, actually 15 years and then um that's when i started uh podium wear because at, at, i think around 2003 i looked at the coaching and uh unlike rick i have kids and so i said i don't know that there's a, a way i can send my kids to college with this current coaching <laughs> gig um so i started podium wear then uh which is what i do now i uh, uh i merged my club with my friend piot's club and we've formed uh, lopit nordic racing 
Um, and I coached there for five more years and then kind of got out of the, I don't know if retired is the right word. I think I will get back into coaching in the, in the future, but, uh, have been just, uh, doing, uh, being the CEO of podium wear, which we make, uh, you know, custom clothing for skiing, running soccer and, um, uh, ultimate. So, you know, that's, that, that's been today. And, and I think, you know, that, yeah, we'll get into the whole NNF story, but that, uh, yeah. that, that hat, that hatched with Rick and I, um, just talking like this. <laughs> right. And that's what I want to get into because really what we're here is to talk about the National Nordic Foundation. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about the, the, the beginning of the genesis of NNF, which I know you two are really kind of the, the, the founders of this, of this organization that has done a lot for Nordic skiing over the course of the last two decades. And I want to get into that, but let's go to the genesis of it. It's sort of a modern result of uh, the NNF today is a modern result of, of earlier fundraising campaigns for more elite junior racing experiences that I think, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, started in the mid 1990s. Um, mm-hmm. Can the two of you just kind of freeform how you teamed up, what and, and what told you this had to be done, and how how it morphed into something fairly big today? Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm sure Reed's memory is much clearer than mine of uh, what was going on. <laughs> I do know first off that we were going hunting. Um, mm-hmm. I think we were going duck hunting. Um, down on uh, Silver Creek Preserve. In- Silver Creek, yeah. Yeah, instead of Reed actually training, I started to prioritize activities for Reed that were actually more <laughs> that, useful. That would be more beneficial. <laughs> but but prior to that, I had been on a couple of world junior trips on the coaching staff um, with the national team. And our efforts, while, you know, I think sincere as a nation, I mean, we weren't trying to suck, uh, but but we there was no real organized approach at all to what we were doing on the junior side. You know, one year we'd have one boy and one girl on the team. Talk about an unmotivating experience for a set of kids. Right. Uh, and the next year there'd be some other kids. And I think a lot of it was that maybe we didn't have the depth then, but it was apparent to me that because I was primarily engaged with junior athletics was, and we were starting to put kids on the world junior team. And every time we did that, there was a pretty good bill attached to it, which which is part of the model for ski sport. It is a pay to play kind of scenario. But, um, but I just was like, okay, something's got to change about this. And, and I'm not sure exactly, uh, you know, how we, arrived at the synthesis of this but you know we we both came to it organically at like in the conversation i think almost immediately yeah it was like the thing was this was the dark ages of of u.s skiing for sure i mean like we had the glory years of the 70s and the early 80s and then this is like you know chad when you and i were racing right the u.s if if we got a top 30 it was amazing right so the 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 nordic team had no funding it was entirely an alpine program and they were sending one and one, and that was it. You couldn't even like because that was the years I was officially trying uh, in air quotes because I wasn't very close <laughs> to to make a world junior team. And you know, even if you were second or third on the list, which I wasn't, um, you couldn't go. They would only take one, and then um, you know. So Rick and I, yeah, we're driving down and we're like, you know, this is ridiculous. They keep on, and they had, they would introduce a new program right after the Olympic years and then the funding would go away and then they would cut the program and cut the program, you know? So, um, I think they were just, they had just hired Sten, uh, as a development coach, which we were excited about. Sten Feldheim, I'll point out. Sten, Sten Feldheim, Northern Michigan, just retired Northern Michigan coach. And Rick and I were like, you know, if... If you know, we know a hundred people that would give a thousand dollars, we could raise a hundred thousand dollars for Nordic skiing, and we could just have it for Nordic skiing. That one idea was what started the foundation. Yeah, yeah. I'm. We're not going to put you know beat around the bush on this one. You know, it was us sort of being really tired of not controlling our destiny financially within right. the sport. Yep. yep. And um, uh. That was and still remains, you know, as I have long since sort of departed the board of directors and stuff, this finance, this fiscal independence uh, of the NNF from U.S. funding stream, you know, the vagaries of 
um, you know, 100 victory lane, uh, you know, we, that's core to what this is all about. And I think it's one of the reasons the NNF has been so successful because from the very beginning, our messaging was every dollar we raise goes directly to the sport of cross country athletes. Yeah. And that was the whole goal. So I seem to remember a calendar. Of yeah. A really well done, a really well done, uh, great photography calendar kind of highlighting the kids. Where was that? Where was that? Yeah, that so, was like the first memory for me. Yeah. So that was, that was, we were really fortunate. We had a local dude that coached for me by the name of Dave Wheelock. And uh, Dave was a Southern cowboy who came up to Sun Valley back in the early 70s when everybody was wearing blue jeans and hucking it and on the mountain. But he was also just a, 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 a lovable cross-country, um, like what we call like a U14, U12 coach for us. Like he coached Pat Casey coming up. Right. 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 And um, Dave was, was and is still a great photographer. And he just... He had piles and piles of imaging. And the great thing about that imaging initially that we got a lot of it from Dave was there was a lot of international ski racing going on in the West then. Uh, we were running that early, early version of the um, uh, uh, well, Super Tour Finals, which was called Western Spring Series. And Dave right. was, was snapping picks left and right. And we ended up having enough quality photos that we were able to construct the calendar. And then we would do it as a partner sales um, initiative with clubs. And so a club would say, I mean, Reed and I were basically browbeating, shaming everybody yeah. we knew in skiing to take 100 calendars and, right. and sell them. And it was highly inefficient. But it got the project <laughs> off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. There were two aspects to that, Chad. It was like, one, again, this is AOL has just come out, right? right, right. There is no internet. There is no, uh, there's no coverage of Nordic skiing. You know, cross-country skier would release their year-end thing that would cover the whole year. So we were trying to, A, we also uh, wanted to get the kids images of heroes. We're like, okay, we need to... Again, this is, I think, Rick's idea was like, we need to elevate this sport because I had like one Gundis Vaughn poster that I got like, you right. know, from Avo at Finsisu and mm -hmm. it was like, you know, dog-eared and we had none of the pictures. People didn't even know who like Paul Gunnar right. Mikkels Floss was. So right, like, right. okay. And Wheels, and yeah, Wheels had actually gone over to the World Cup, I think on his own dime before this. And, and the dude, yeah, he just had amazing photographs. And so we were like, and I don't remember where the idea came from, uh, you know, Rick or me or someone else, but it was like, okay, this is, again, we're trying to get our community involved in this fundraising. You know, you look at the drive for 25, it's just a continuance of the calendar sale where we said, we need you, our cross-country ski community, to support the cross-country skiers. We can't say, oh, I wish that we got some of that visa money, you know, from right. the U.S. ski team. So we, you know, put together this calendar, and yeah, and we would... Uh, you know, the other thing we did in that is we we put in a, a skier of the year from each region. And again, trying to highlight the like up and coming kids. Yeah. So it was like, uh, and, and, and it was so great. The great part about this was that the ski community, after first going, who the hell are you to me? <laughs> because they knew Rick and they, Leslie Kritschko was also on our, our founding board. But uh, there was a little bit of who's this guy who's all of a sudden trying to, you know, get, you know, raise funds and that type of thing. But after that initial part, the ski community was really supportive. Right. And all of a sudden at JNs, they were letting us go up on the stage and talk about the calendar. And, and we used to give these Skier of the Year awards to, to the kids at JNs to try to highlight all the regions. So it was really just, we were kind of doing a, a you know, kitchen sink approach. We're like, right. throw everything at the wall. We need to raise money. We don't know sure. how to do it. Turns out we actually didn't know a hundred people who would give a thousand dollars. Funny how that is. Yeah. But you know, that was, so that was a calendar. And we also had a newsletter, you know, we had the national cross country ski competitor that was like went on for six years. That was mm -hmm. again, before faster skier or cross country, uh, whatever downing site is, you know, that, that, that this was, we were trying to get people up to date information. We were trying to cover world cup. We were trying to cover, um, you know, junior qualifying in every region so that people would show up at JNs and know who those other kids were because there wasn't any of this community that we have now. You know, there was no camps. There was no 
the world junior team, like, like Rick said, it was one and one, you know, it was like Lindley Hall and Marcus Nash was the world junior team. You know, it's right. like, that's, there's not much there. And you know, Chad, I'm not going to, Chad, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know here, I guess, right, but right, I'll right. tell you anyway. And you know, sometimes these things, the, the byproduct that you didn't expect is the thing that's actually the most valuable. You know, we might've been raising 10 or 15 or 20,000 a year, you know, through right. calendar sales and other mechanisms, which, which was real money at that point. Yeah, right? absolutely. Compared to what we had. But what the real benefit was, it was the nascent initial efforts to build community. And yes. that yeah. was the most important thing. And it still remains really actually one of the most important missions of the NNF, right, is to build yeah. community. And, uh, you know, we look at the landscape now where, you know, I come into the our, our ski team center and I start talking about, hey, did you see the relay today? You know, and they're like, oh, yeah, we already saw that. This happened, this happened, this happened. I mean, you know, because they're all watching it live, you know, at five in the morning and they already know everything. You know, I mean, the day the day after Claybo started running around, lifting his heels up in the hill on the hills, you know, when he was just like slamming his kick wax down. Right. Kids were just doing it. And then they were arguing with me because I would say, stop lifting your heels up like that. <laughs> and they're like, well, if Claybo's doing it, but you know, so, yeah. so the, NMF, pretty sure he knows more than you do, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, join the club. And so the, um, the, N- the NNF thing was not just about raising money, although unintentionally right. so. Olympian world cup winner and newest NNF board member, Sophie Caldwell knows why NNF matters. I've had the honor of being involved with NNF um, in a lot of different ways. From when I was a junior athlete, um, I received support for them to go on some international trips like World Juniors and uh, J1 trip. And those were really my, my first ever international trips and exposure to athletes from all around the world and competi- competition at that high of a level. And I feel like uh, being able to go on those trips is really what inspired me to pursue ski racing for as long as I did. It kind of gave me a, a taste of what the World Cup might be like. And, um, you know, that was really made possible from the support that I received from NNF. And I know um, that's been the case for, for so many athletes. And, you know, I was so lucky to be part of such a strong team. And I, I one of my favorite things about the my last year on the team was that I was able to overlap with this younger generation of skiers that's come up um, and they're still at the age where they're going to World Juniors and I know the, rep- the support they've received from NNF has made that possible um, and now I'm serving on the board of NNF and um, I'm so honored to be serving on this board um, and supporting this organization that did so much for, for my ski racing and I know continues to to do so much for for the juniors in our country. And now back to our discussion with Reed. When you talk about culture, somewhere along the way there, you went from Lindley Hall and Marcus Nash qualifying for Junior Worlds to not only funding a Junior World Championship team, but also starting the thing called the U18 trip to Scandinavia. And and I think that, I don't know if if you or anybody else in in our community, because I was part of that community as well, really identified it then that 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 it's really critical for our young athletes to get comfortable against Europeans in a European setting um do you you know I don't really know I don't have a great sense of if did NNF really drive that that U18 trip or was that a U.S. ski team initiative well there was a there was a yeah it was both but I mean like initially you know, so in 97, Sten really decided, he really pushed the U.S. ski team to, to invite four kids. He said, they, we can make them pay themselves. So in 97, we issued our first grant. The NNF first grant went to the 97 team that went to Calgary. Um, and then they, again, after I think 98, they had a little funding. The U.S. ski team came up with, let's go to the U18 trip. Come two years later, you know, Luke... Uh, is on the phone to Rick and I, and he's like, Luke Bowden Center, yep. Hey guys, we got to cut that trip, you know. And 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 Rick and I are like, what? This is you know, 
this is just starting to get traction, you know? And this is, again, so this is like, I remember being at Soldier Hollow, you know, they were, we were, we were starting to use that brand new site. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, and kids were making, one of Rick's girls, Kelly Sanat, uh, who's now one of Rick's coaches, uh, made that, that U18 trip. It was the first or second year, Rick. And, you know, people were still not even sure, like, well, should I go on this? What is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was actually some, you know, th- at the time, uh, there was people saying, well, you know, maybe it's too, too early to get kids over there. And then, and then the U S ski team said, oh, we're cutting all funding. And, and so we had to, you know, and we had a board meeting and we went back to Luke and we said, Luke, if we can raise the funds for this trip, will you, uh, keep it going? And, and he went back to the higher ups and to his credit said, look, uh, we can pay, we'll pay for our coaching staff over there. You know, so basically their, their salary, um, you guys are going to pay for the volunteer coaches. You're going to pay for the vans and the kids are going to pay for themselves. And so he said, I need you to commit to that for like three years. Um, and, and so we actually had a donor, uh, uh, Hal Stanley, who still, uh, has, has donated in recent years who basically came in. We, we did a whole bunch of fundraising. That is when we went out and said, we need thousand dollar amounts. I think this is. Right. This was what it was probably two thousand three. I think it's two thousand three. Right after the games, yeah, in, in two thousand. Yep, yep. Because yep. we were all we we're like, okay, you know, we're gonna have money, and they're like, no, we don't have any money. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's where we went out, and actually, that is the year that I started Podium Wear. Mm-hmm. So I said I will give everyone who donates um, whatever a thousand bucks. I'll make them a, a jacket that's the same as the jacket we're gonna give the U eighteen team. Oh, cool. And we had uh, a bunch of donors that actually got the the, the USA jacket. Um, and so for the next, you know, six, seven years, the US ski team didn't even give them uniforms. So Podium were actually made the uniforms for the U18 trip <laughs> because they wouldn't give them anything. They were still, and, and that, that was a, again, they were supporting it, but it led to a problem where there was, people were thinking that it was a second tier trip. Oh, like a lot of kids were turning down that trip mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yeah, until they started realizing that girls or guys from Norway were future that were at that Scandinavian trip yeah. were future World right. Cup gold medalists. Right. And then it changed. So, so talk a little bit, do a little bit of that. So, we're at a very different place now than we were even in 2003. That's just you know, it's less than 20 years ago. What are some of the key elements in U.S. skiing development that have happened since then to, to put our athletes on the World Cup stage? And where does NNF play a role in that in your mind? Well, I, you know, the, the great thing about the NNF is, is that it's been able to scale accordingly to meet the demands of growing opportunity, right? So, sure, you know, we've had to raise more and more money. Um, donor base, of course, has expanded. There are some really big individuals uh, right. that are helping, you know, you know, make sure that bottom line is met. But, but the, the, again, the cool thing about the NNF is it's helping at every level now, right? Before we were just primarily targeting, as Reed was talking about, U18 trip and world juniors. And now they're getting involved with camp funding for kids early on in the pipeline, like the National U16 camp, right? They're also making sure that uh, needy um, senior athletes that really look like they need an opportunity to to play the game overseas are, are getting. It's probably not solving all the financial challenges that like a, a, a Devo team member or a B team member may have. You know, the problem is you ski really fast on the World Cup. You drop in and you're like, oh, I actually can play this game. The price tag just goes up. Right. It's like, hey, right. thanks for skiing fast. Here's a bigger bill. <laughs> right. And right. so right. so I do have to commend uh, the national team on on providing a level of funding at the uh, A team level and even to some extent the B team level now that is reliable and secure. And a lot yeah. of that has to do with our coaching staff uh, now being tenured and having been successful and you know we're hanging some medals around some athletes' necks, uh, you know. The but all of this has been a little bit unpredictable, 
right? I mean, if right, you, right, if, right, right, absolutely, right. If you would have said to Reed and I uh, in a bar, let's just say a drinking establishment somewhere a few while, uh, you know, years ago, that we would have won back to back World Junior Boys. <laughs> Gold medal relay. relays. Yeah. We would have said, "Okay, totally. I'm taking your money, man. I'm taking your money." <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, I mean, right. it was it was still such a bridge so far, right? And yeah. and so I think it's been this sort of almost uh, weird confluence of the NNF coming along, mm-hmm. and at the right time, at the same time. Maybe a number of clubs really started to grow and push each other. I think you look at you look back and you go like, well, it's not just the NNFF. It's it's Jan Buran at AWS right. crushing it, right? It's P it's Piot in the Twin Cities crushing it. It's like Severi for like forty years in a row crushing it, and then finally having somebody to race against, right? You know, and and so there's all that. Then there's the streaming. There's also this subtle influence going on of, and we've talked about this, Chad, where at the U16 camp, I asked, and we've been doing this thing now for 13 or 14 years. I asked the kids every year, how many of your parents ski raced? And half of the kids in the room raised their hand, right? right? 20 years ago, that was not the case. 20 years ago, parents found a cheap alternative athletic program for their kids that resulted for their nerdy kids. Yeah. 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 And they just (laughs) dropped them off. The parents didn't know anything about skiing. And so now we have generations of kids who are the children of previously really good ski racers, right? Right. you can watch you can watch a ski race on internet the, the moment it happens, right? So all these things are happening simultaneously. But I also think, and I'll I'll throw this back to Reed or or to you, Chad. But I also think one of the sort of really unpredictable, um, but absolutely critical things that happened was Keegan Randall. Totally. Yeah. You know. You know, none of this happens if she, right. There's an X factor. Yeah. That's the X factor. You ha- at the end of the day, we needed somebody to win some ski races. The NNF has been working hard all spring, summer, and fall to unlock hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially for this drive for 25. We need a thousand people though to donate to make that happen. That means we need you and we need you now. Here's Keegan Randall to tell you why NNF matters to her. Hi, this is Keegan Randall. I'm a five-time Olympian and a member of the National Nordic Foundation board. There's no doubt in my mind that support from the National Nordic Foundation was influential in my career. As a young 17-year-old, I qualified for my first world junior team, but I would not have been able to afford to go on that trip had it not been for the support from NNF. Later on, as I got my European racing experience through the OPA Cup trips and U23s and those first World Cup starts, again, the financial support made those possible for me and ended up being the springboard I needed to get onto the World Cup and the national team. NNF is the critical link for development in the US. We're excited because this brings together the community and the regions to really support our athletes. And as an athlete competing, I can tell you, that gives you wings. To point out that the Keegan Randall came along and she's an X factor, but she, she also came along when there was a chance and an opportunity at least for an alternative funding source to get her to Europe more regularly as a junior. So, and, and I think that, that you, you two should actually acknowledge that as, as founders of this organization, which, which is kind of gets us to the point read where I want to, I want to ask you guys, where would we be without a Keegan Randall and without that X Factor? But where would we be without the NNF if you guys hadn't done this twenty some years ago? That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a lot to put on two uh, two guys driving driving on a hunting trip who uh, <laughs> maybe wrote training in a bar. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I and and one of there's there was a couple magical moments for me uh, as the NNF. Uh, you know, I, I spent 10, 15 years as the sole employee. <laughs> And and Keegan at uh, uh, the year that they wore those bright red suits at World Juniors, we basically funded that that team. Keegan was on that team. It was the Lindsay and Lindsay were on that team. It was like a, I can't remember. But we were back at Jo's. We still called them Jo's then in uh, Alaska. And Keegan 
came out uh, on the stage and she had her World Junior bib that had been signed by the entire World Junior team. And she said she thanked me and thanked the NNF for getting them there. You know, and that was like awesome. And we didn't even know how good they were going to be, but we just knew that we were excited about there was a picture of the team and it was like a dozen kids, you know. And yeah, some of those kids never skied again. You know, literally one of them came home and, and quit skiing, but Keegan Randall kept skiing, you know, and Lindsay Weir and Lindsay Williams got pushed by that and pushed Keegan. And, and they, that all happened. I, in, at least there's some part of that that happened because we were able to say, when you make a world junior team, the NNF is going to give you half of your money to get there. You know, we expect you to still contribute, but, but yeah, that was and and even then it was still you know so um it still felt so far away because at the you know at the time uh Keegan started winning or getting some junior results we were still we were still celebrating a t- one top 30 on the world cup right oh absolutely right? yeah. and um you know so i think there's there's another factor here which is that at that point i was getting pretty tired of of uh just doing this nonprofit stuff and and i, I felt like i was tapped out and I was, I actually almost shut down the NNF because I was like, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I went and, and Joey Caterniccio, a, a good friend of ours and she's been a huge part of NNF, stepped up and said, no, okay, let's, I can, I'm doing a bunch of other stuff, but I can keep this going. And so I handed over the executive director to her and I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but, yeah. but the, the, the second part of it was then, uh, Joey did for a little bit, and then John Farah, who was in the U.S. ski team, Nordic director, uh, as opposed to the previous administrations, he said, I want to be involved with the NNF. He said, I think the U.S. ski team needs to be part of this. And then, so instead of kind of having a, we'll take your money, but we don't want about your opinions or any of that stuff, he said, I want to be a part of this. And he got on the board. Uh, and then he recruited Dave Knoop, uh, and the the difference between Dave Knoop and me was Dave has friends that can write four to five figure checks and mine write two to three. So, yeah. 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 Right. So that was this like, those those two big moments. The big moment to right. me is Keegan getting on the world scene and, and, and starting to win. And then the NNF being able to come in and say, okay, we have somebody who actually knows how to do this fundraiser and, and Rick and Reed, right. thank you. Uh, we're going to, turn it over to the big time now. And, and that made a huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a huge difference. And, and I think that leads directly to Jesse and to Sadie and, you know, right. to, to, uh, to the, to Gus and the, the junior team now is that the NNF was suddenly able to say, okay, we don't just have to do the U18 trip and world juniors. We have people that are willing to donate $50,000 because they believe in this and they can see it. So again, it's totally chicken and egg. Who knows what, but but yeah, when when Rick and I stepped away, surprisingly, the NNF flourished. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's true. I I think that I think the thing is that that so you know the reason I, I I'm not a fundraising guy either. You know I I I I can talk. I can put together media like this, and that's about it. And and you can argue whether that's even good quality or not. But it's it, it's it's what I can do. And and I decided to get on the board not because I knew how to raise money, because I I recognized the importance of the organization to the success of our, of, of when, when Jesse Diggins and Keegan Randall win the gold medal, there are people all over the country who don't even know who they are before that, who got, who got goosebumps and tears in their eyes. And certainly all of us who, who are much closer to that um, got those tears and goosebumps as well. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind that the NNF has been a big part of that. And that's why I, I got on the board. I figured this is my chance to, to do the duty and do some heavy lifting that, that you guys are no longer, uh, willing to do or or you just you've just done enough of it and it's great to see that so many people other than myself are doing that as well but in your guys's mind looking forward we need both the big check writers and the small check writers and that's exactly what we're we're highlighting here on this nnf drive for 25 um just just sum up how you think this this organization has uh delivered to the nordic community and what it needs to do going forward to continue to be an effective organization and, and how can people get involved with that yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at, you know, having been the executive director for a number of years, I know that uh, the people who are writing the big uh, checks want 
to know that we are supporting our own support. You know, it's the same as anyone who's graduated from college uh, gets those letters saying, we need, we don't care how much you donate. We just want to know that you support us. Um, and so I think that's, you know, going back to the drive for 25 and it even goes back to like the calendar sales is like, yeah, it's fine if, if, uh, if you can only do $25, no problem, but that's great. Then, then we're saying, okay, this kid from Bend, Oregon just contributed 25 bucks and, and, and they believe in the NNF and believe in Nordic skiing. And that's going to, you know, propel, you know, they're going to talk about it. They're going to be more invested and it, the actual dollar amounts might not on their own be much, but it's again, it, it adds up and it also, it, it shows the support of the community. And I think that's, that is huge because, um, you know, everything, uh, we're in a, we're in a, a golden age right now. And, and we should recognize that as like, we have a group of athletes, uh, you know, we don't, uh, we've never had a, a, a Jesse Diggins before, you know, uh, we've really, you know, since Coker, we haven't really, we haven't had a, a Gus Shoemaker in a, in a long time. So it's going to ebb and flow, right? This is, we're going to go back to the, to some point where we're, we're fighting for top tens again, but maybe we aren't on the, on the podium for a little bit. And I think that's where it's like, okay, we need to develop a strong endowment, a strong, you know, a base of money so that we can, uh, can be ready for that and, and, and have a really active, supportive community that, you know, ultimately we know this is, this is really about a lifelong sport, right? You know, we all still ski. I haven't raced since the 1997 Berkey and I, I really shouldn't, uh, but <laughs> you know, I ski, my kids skied, uh, you know, my, my mom skis. So that's, again, it's all, it's, it's, I'm rambling, which is Rick and my specialty, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's about individual participation in the community, which ultimately supports the racers that then come back and support the community again, you know. Three of the most amazing and inspiring stories of last season's U.S. ski team were Rosie Brennan leading the World Cup, Gus Schumacher making an amazing debut, and Hannah Halverson coming back from personal tragedy. Listen to what they have to say about the NNF and its importance to them in their ski development. I'm Rosie Brennan, and I'm here to ask you to consider a donation to the Drive for 25 because NNF has been an important organization that has helped me and many other skiers get to where I am today. NNF has provided support for trips like World Juniors, U23 World Championships, and World Cup that has allowed me to make the stepping stones along the way to become uh, the world-class skier that I am today and to be a World Cup winner. Let's continue this trend and make many more World Cup winners come through the USA. Thanks. My name is Hannah Halverson and I have been competing internationally since 2014. I only point this out because every one of these trips has been financially offset to some degree by NNF and I'm trying to show just how thoroughly NNF has supported me. They have celebrated me when I have had the best races of my life, like a medal at U18 trip, or a relay medal at Junior Worlds, or two top 25s in last year's World Cup season. Without NNF, I wouldn't have been able to go to these races and even have the chance to compete, let alone earn these results. And the reason I've been able to earn those results is that they've supported me for years before I even had these results by funding training camps and junior race opportunities that I took part in. It's this type of grassroots funding that gives athletes like me the patience and support necessary to get to the top. Hi, I'm Gus Schumacher. I'm on the USA team. And for my whole career, NNF has been incredibly supportive. And I think the biggest aspect where NNF plays a role is in the junior development camps that happen across the U.S. every summer. NNF's method of alleviating costs there helps make those camps way more accessible and really boosts uh, participation. And I think that's something that for my group of guys and is continuing to happen now is really important in bringing everyone together and giving us that exposure to each other that drives that level higher and higher. Please donate to NNF and support them because they are huge for U.S. development. I mean, I think right now what's really, um, really been, uh, I think, telling about the NNF is 
it obviously is an idea that works. Um, right. it, it has survived the test of time. Uh, it has a lot of people who care deeply about it uh, as a vehicle to move our efforts forward, both in building community as well as, you know, fueling top results. I mean, those things are interconnected. Um, I think, uh, I think our current effort to try to, I believe it's uh, 1,000 uh, discrete uh, donors is what we're looking right, for. Right, that's correct. Yeah, at, at any level, we, we, right? Do we, have to, we have to be discrete. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> d- you know, unique, unique individual gifts um, right. is, you know, that might have been a tough, uh, a tough get uh, 20 years ago. I think the only thing that makes it tough right now is uh, people not messaging because the message in and of itself tells the story of success. The message says, hey, look, you know, when we collectively engage as a group, look at these great things that happen. And that is also one of the strengths of the NNF, right, is that because it has this really strong grassroots component to it, then it, it gets ownership, right? And you, that's way more important than like Nabisco coming in and writing us a check for, you know, not that we wouldn't take it, uh, but, you know, a, a big check. Um, and so uh, when we continue in these efforts with regards to the NNF and the, the great people we've got on the board, thank you, Chad, for your work uh, and, jump, and jumping in, uh, the story just has to be told. And, and so, like, for example, we had uh, a bunch of U16 kids at Western and Eastern uh, and Central NNF-funded camps this year, right? All those kids are being engaged uh, at an entry level and, and building in the habit of giving. And so, um, you know, this just needs to keep it going. And, you know, I think... I think having some ambassadors like Jesse just makes it all that much easier. Yeah, and I think one one last little thing on that is I think that the key part is when this started, um, it would have been easy for people to say, "What is this organization? We're just trying to you know get a new van at Sun Valley. You know, we don't have, we can't afford to to buy these calendars." Or you know, uh, at the time, you know, Sferi was like, "We're just going to stay in Vermont." You know. No, it's about supporting as a supporter of your community. A supporter of the NNF means you're more than just yourself. You're more than just your club. You know, you are you are watching uh, this crazy commentator go crazy uh, uh, when Jesse wins the gold, and and you are feeling a part of that. You know, I mean, like that. Uh, we had a great coaches meeting at the uh, uh, Soho JNs after Jesse won the gold, and there was it, it was just a bunch of like. Uh, middle-aged dudes and, and women, uh, you know, basically like drinking beer and crying because it's like <laughs> this finally happened, you know, right. and it was everyone in that community, everyone in that room, whether they knew Jesse or Keegan, of course, they all had some connection to them, uh, w- you know, whether they had contributed to NF before, they they were a part of what had just happened. And I think coming from, again, the 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 late 80s dark ages of you know not not to discredit those amazing athletes who we had at the time but um it, it just meant so much and it was because the everyone in the community felt a part of that and it, it's going to be important for this community to continue to be a part of that and for you to not just look at your club and say i hope my club does well or my this friend of mine on the, on the ski team does well but no to say hey uh, mom and dad, I'm. Uh, we need to to donate twenty five dollars to the NNF because I may, a maybe I'll make a world junior team or maybe my teammate will or maybe I'll uh, maybe I never will but I'll have been a part of that success. And maybe we just might like the way it feels when uh, the United States wins a gold medal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. you know, I just. I, I think everybody that tries this sport from the person that picks up a pair of skis during COVID and says, what am I going to do to not go crazy? And they start cross country skiing to kids that have put so much investment into the sport and, and parents who see these healthy outcomes for their kids, they just fall in love with the premise, right? Which is there's no downside to going outside in a sport like cross country skiing, breathing hard finding some space for yourself physically and mentally to recenter and go have some fun on skis. It's just, it's such a great sell, 
right? It's like, just do it, right? In in a much overused phrase. And and so wait, someone someone used that before. Yeah, someone's used it before. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, where I'm super energized. I know a lot of folks are super energized about everything that's going on right now with the NNF and also with the sport in general. Um, you know, I mean, we think about this U18 trip and I've got, you know, kids are goal setting to make the, to make the U16 camp. Kids kids are like, what do I got to do to make the U16 camp, which is a funded NNF project. What I got to do to make the U and there's kids across the country doing this. That has changed from 20 years ago. 20, 30 years ago, there was a few kids that said, like, I can go to Europe and race. And what's that all about? And and so anyway. Yeah. And, and that changes all the difference. That, that that is a huge factor in in the success of our of this sports story in the United States. It's a very different history and a very different story than it is for Norway or for Russia or for Finland or for for any number of countries who do these sports. It's a very different structure. And uh, and when you start seeing when you start hearing kids that age making goals to get to those camps, that's a far cry from the, from when Reed and I were juniors. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think what, you know, I mean, not to beleaguer the point, but uh, you know, it's like, it used to be the first time people would get over there would either be uh, if they were a world junior member or on an Olympic or, or world championship team. Right. And then they were just, everything is different in Europe. Right. right. And that's the part of the pitch about the NNF was like, well, aren't we just a bunch of middle class people trying to go to Europe for you know to to ski? And it's like, no, no, it's this we're this is a whole this is a sport and an exposure to the culture of the sport and the culture of racing over there is vital to the success. You know, when you can get Keegan over there as a seventeen year old as opposed to showing up uh, at an Olympics as a twenty year old, you can have that success. Or, or Gus Schumacher going into his first World Cup season, getting a top 10 in a mass start classic race on the hardest course in the world. Um, that doesn't happen without that kid having been to been to Europe several times. You got to play double A ball after you played totally. single A ball. You got to play rookie league. U.S. ski team head coach Matt Whitcomb is a critical leader in the sport and on the NNF board. Here's why Matt thinks it's important to stand up and be counted on this drive for 25. Hi, Chad. Matt Whitcomb here, head coach for the U.S. Ski Team and very proud board member for the National Nordic Foundation. I just wanted to speak to the importance of our main grassroots fundraising campaign, the Drive for 25, which starts November 22nd. Uh, As a coach for the national team, we are always looking for metrics to gauge uh, how healthy the sport is in our country. Uh, And the easy one to jump to is results. Did we have a good season? At the Olympics, did we have a good World Cup season? But that really only represents a handful of athletes. And that, to me, I think is why the Drive for 25 is so important. Last year, we had 460-something people donate $25 or more to this campaign. And this year, we are setting a very lofty goal uh, of cresting the 1,000 individual donor mark. And so I will certainly be chipping in my 25 bucks, and hope you do too. Uh, because not only is it a successful camp, uh, fundraiser for us, but think of the support that the athletes and coaches and programs who support these athletes, think of the support that they feel when they know that a thousand people uh, have just stood up uh, in support of what they all do. And so I'm very inspired by the hard work that these young developing athletes are putting in training-wise, and I hope to be inspired by how we can all support them here. Uh, come the end of November. So thanks very much. Any successful sport can understand what we're talking about there. And that's, that's what's great is that, you know, when, when this all started, we didn't know those pieces in our sport. And today we do. You know what my new idea is, don't you, Chad? I haven't talked to you about this one. I want to start. The next thing I want to start is a pack rim cup where we get every, yeah. every nation that is even remotely connected to the Pacific Ocean. We create a pack rim cup. That's a cooperative event between um, Canada, us, as, and uh, as the founding nations. And then, yeah. you know, we basically include China, Russia, da 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 And we figure out the, the group of athletes we need to have in there because I want to create a bridge between, you know, because we're still only sending six guys and six gals 
who are, are going as part of the U18 trip. And then, you know, this, the five and five on World Juniors. Well, I sort of feel like we're close enough now that we now need another level, right? Yeah, that, that's great. That we get kids yeah. into. So I've been thinking like, and the great thing about if we went pack rim is we cut down on some of our travel costs because we would basically try to get this race established and it would always be in North America and then Japan, Korea, China, Russia, uh, Mongolia, you know, New Zealand, Australia, yeah. they're all there. And like to the kids that get to go to that, even if they never make it to world juniors, they're going to say, I made a team. Totally. And and the cultural exchange is, is a life changing event. I mean, if you think about it, like that's, that's why I love this sport more than anything is I got into it and I, and I saw the world and I learned these cultural, cultural differences in people. And it's a valuable thing to anybody, whether you win a medal yeah. or not. Yeah. Yeah, well, guys, more, this, yeah. this has been great, and I really appreciate, um, as the NNF goes into this double the drive for 25, we've called it, but but we're trying to get 1,000 people. I just wanted to t take this opportunity and, and welcome you to Threshold and, and tell the story of the NNF because I think a lot of people don't realize how deep it goes and really how impactful it has. So with that final question, where do you see Nordic ski development in 15 years in the United States, and what's critical to, to keeping this momentum? I think the, the key is this building a sustainable community. It's not about results. It's, um, uh, you know, on, in terms of medals, you know, because I think, you know, you, Rick actually, I was at a coach's conference with Rick 10 years ago, and he said, he gave us a talk, I don't know if he remembers it, but he talked about like um, trying to pick athletes, right? At the time we were still, having, like he just said, having small groups of athletes. Um, and the more athletes we can spread out to get experiences, to get to, to, to get racing, to get the culture, all the stuff we've been talking about, the better. You know, what Rick talked about at that conference was uh, every professional uh, baseball team spends millions and millions and millions of dollars scouting. They have a draft every year and 27 of them get it completely wrong. There's no chance that we as volunteers, as uh, coaches on a not even an NCAA budget, are going to be able to pick the athletes, are going to be able to see uh, Gus or Jesse in the future as a 14-year-old and say, that's the one, let's fund that one, and not fund the other 10 who are surrounding them. So the, for me, the future of continuing making this sustainable you know, I've never actually heard the idea that Rick just uh, talked about before, which is weird because, you know, he usually talks about stuff for a long time, so it must be a new one. But um, but that type of thing. So let's say, okay, let's say, let's focus on that. Let's focus on building a base of, of funds that we can continue to fund these uh, trips and kids' experiences and, and coaches, uh, you know, coaches to camps and all that stuff so that we have a bigger base uh, in 15 years for whoever those next group of kids are. And again, like, you know, I, uh, I expect that with the current culture, we're going to stay in the mix. Uh, it's so exciting that right now we have men's and women's teams that are in the mix. You know, I don't think we're going to go back to the, those late eighties when we were, you know, fighting with, uh, you know, Korea at the back end. Uh, and, but in order to avoid that, we have to continue to realize it. We haven't, a, accomplished anything at this point we have started something you know so let's accomplish something that if uh, the nnf has funds but we have to do this every year we keep doing this um and if we could actually get a uh, an endowment you know some some a chunk of funds that we could rely on and and not have to every year be like okay having been on the board you know i was on the board for 20 years having said Okay, we got to raise fifty grand again this year, or we got to raise a hundred grand again this year because fish needs a hundred grand for development. That's where we need to go. We need to go to to more sustainability, more support, and 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 again, more celebrating all the kids and parents and families who are are in this process and this pipeline. It's not just you know that you look at you look at Chad, look at you and I, right? We're both uh, you know born early seventies, raced in the in the eighties. I turned 50 uh, and, tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, do you? I <laughs> yeah. turned 50. I turned yeah. 56 months ago. So, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, because Rick turned 70 soon. Um, not really, but but I mean, like, so it's not just, okay, so Chad, you were on the World Cup as a, as a biathlete. I, I raced in a bunch of, you know, a couple Olympic trials, but never got up there. But it's that that doesn't matter because we're still involved in the community. We still love this sport so much and had such a community. It wasn't like, uh, you know, a pro football player who never plays football again and is pretty much done with that community unless he's coaching. You know, you're not coaching skiing right now. I'm not coaching skiing. And here we are talking about skiing, right, right. you know, and talking about fundraising and talking about how exciting it is and how I can't wait for Beijing, you know. And that's what it's about. That's what we're building towards so that we can be comfortable knowing that that it is here. I mean, I think that, you know, when Rick, when I first went out to ski for Rick, there was no clubs, really. It was all personality driven, a coach that was had a cluster of people around him. And then that coach would go away and those people would go away and there would, nothing was left. You know, Rick, Sferi, APU, um, you know, all those guys, Crasbury, they now are building that sustainability. So it's not about, you know, Rick. It's not about you and I. And I think that's the, the really part that I'm excited about the NNF is that I was able to step off the board last year and nobody noticed. And that is awesome because that's how it should be. This organization needs to keep going and growing and not be about a person, but about the idea. Yeah. Rick, yeah, I think I, I think they noticed. Reed, they were like, "Wow, we're getting something done." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed. <laughs> a couple, a couple things I would probably say from an athletic standpoint. You know, I think what we're really seeing now is depth. Um, you, you know, uh, you have anybody that pays attention to sport knows that there are generational talents that come along. There is X amount of capacity. Uh, defined by your genetic predisposition. I'm not trying to get too nerdy here, but you know, Gus doesn't come along all the time. Gus doesn't right. get where he is. I don't think without having a great coach like Jan, a really strong support system like uh, NNF, and then a community around him which supports him. Right. But what's really amazing, and what's been fueling our success, is been the dudes that have been racing shoulder to shoulder with Gus. Right. The depth around Gus, the depth around the women's team. Right. Now that on any given day, like we're going like, oh, my God, this kid just this other kid just posted a result. Right. So right. what we're seeing now, I think, is depth, which I certainly hope is really sustainable. You know, a lot of times you can win a medal in the men's race with four dudes that are possible, capable of top, posting top 20s. Right. I mean, you don't necessarily need superstars to win relay medals. Right. You just need depth. Right. And so I, I really think that I hope that what we're seeing now with with is is a creation of depth that will support those individual generation generational talents when they come along, uh, because I really do think it's really impossible to pick. Right. You have to have enough kids, you know, playing the game. So that that happens, you know, from the from what I see next with the NNF, I think there's probably two categories uh, beyond the grassroots support that I think are the next thing for us to tackle in that organization. Uh, legacy gifts is the next thing. Uh, legacy gifts in support uh, or in partnership with that growing grassroots thing is key. And then I also think we have an amazing story and there I got to believe that there's an opportunity for some corporate uh, entity to uh, look at the NNF and go, wow, this is actually the kind of people we want our brand to be aligned with. So I see legacy gifts and title sponsorship of the NNF being the next sort of big groundbreaking opportunity for us to secure the financial health of the organization, you know, going forward. I think that's a great place to leave it, guys. Uh, really great, great, to, great to talk to both of you. Um, it's, we don't see each other enough anymore, um, but I really, really appreciate you guys coming on Threshold, and I really appreciate you guys uh, coming on to talk about the history of NNF, the entire uh, purpose behind this Threshold episode to launch the the uh, Drive for Twenty Five in this Olympic season. So, Reed Luter, Rick Capala, thanks a ton, thanks a ton for coming on Threshold. Thanks, Chad, for doing what you thanks, do. Thanks, Chad. As Beijing looms in February. 
Jesse Diggins is coming off a landmark World Cup overall victory, a win in the Tour de Ski, and is as big a figure in cross-country skiing as we've ever had in the United States. But more importantly, she's made that an achievable reality for a cadre of young teammates who will join her in Beijing, as well as something my kids and yours can realistically pin their hopes on, as something an American can do. And make no mistake about it, that proposition is propped up by the NNF. The proposition is pretty simple. If you feel any emotion when you watch Here Comes Diggins, the NNF is worthy of your support. So let's do it. This year's NNF Drive for 25 is counting on all of us who love Nordic ski racing, particularly seeing American skiers cross the finish line first with a really robust goal of 1,000 unique contributions of $25 or more. We think we can do it, but we need you to act. We have a week to reach the goal and unlock some potentially huge matches. So go right now to nationalnordicfoundation.org and give to the drive for 25. The next time the hair on the back of your neck is standing up and the tears are in your eyes, you'll be glad you did. And you will have been a part of a great moment. That's Threshold for this episode. Thanks to Rick Capala and Reed Luter for joining us. And thank you in advance for giving to the NNF. I'm Chad Samala. Thanks for listening.